you are being watched. The government has a secret system. A podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. You will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for Person of Interest featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative, Jude, and our new recruit, Anna. Jude, Anna, welcome to Podcast of Interest. How we doing? Real excited for a new show. Very excited. Yeah, this, I've been, I've been, um, I've been enjoying watching this so far. Excellent. Makes a really nice break from Babylon 5 season 5, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. The humdrum doldrums of season 5. Yeah, we are no longer wandering in the wilderness. Instead, we are in Manhattan. (laughs) Nothing like some comforting artificial intelligence, dystopia, and murder. Yeah, murder is a big favorite of mine. And And kneecapping. Oh, gosh. They're, They're... Something that B5 could never do, but this show will do. I get into some weird, like, I don't think it's either of the first two episodes, but, like, there are some points where, like, I think in what I'm watching ahead and just doing notes for, like, uh, I think it's episode seven, Witness, I get into a thing about, like, a very specific gun. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, why are Bulgarians Bulgarians using a Czech Tokarev? (laughs) There's um you you also get to this is this is some spy shit too that's oh my god I'm this is I I can't wait to talk about that episode it's there's gonna be so much stuff that I'm just like this is specifically things that I am like these are my specific bullshits Um, yeah Jude so let's I want to start because um I am no longer the newbie uh but how did you get into person of interest fuck I don't know. Um, legitimately, uh, it was one of those shows that was like on back when like cable was a thing that I actually paid for and it was just around (laughs) enough that I like caught it and it became a thing that I was aware of. And I eventually me and my wife, uh, got to be caught up with it while it was coming out. And so we were, we watched it like live, like as it was coming out seasons, I think we binged up through season three and then we watched it all the way to the end uh, week by week. Cool. We were very sad when it ended. Yeah. Um, And I I have a question for you two, mm -hmm. which is, you know, especially coming from Babylon 5 um, in the final season. um, Does this show stick the landing? I think so. Interesting question. I, I, I like I have not watched the end of season five since my first time watching it. But I think I I was I found myself satisfied with the ending. Yeah, I have no complaints about season five, except that I wish they had gotten like two more seasons. Yeah, 
there there is a problem with season five of that it is half the length of the others because they Oof. got cut halfway through production. Oof. Yeah. So it's let me put it this way. Season five is not as good as you want it to be, but not because it's bad, but because you know what it could have been. Mm-hmm. It's like the last season of White Collar. Yeah. Good comparison. Good comparison. Let's uh, talk about the format. Let's do that part. Yeah. Um, so what's different now? What are we What are we going to be changing? Uh... <laughs> well, uh, presumably, uh, I have been told that I am no longer I no longer have the justification for writing a two thousand word summary. We do want to keep this a little bit more streamlined. I think for a show that is procedural <laughs> and a little bit more monster of the wiki. I think for a lot of our episodes, we could sort of be a little more easy breezy. Yeah. And I think I think we have a rough plan to partition our summaries into like what's going on with the monster of the week or number of the week, as it were. <laughs> Some of them are monsters. That's fair. What's and what's going on with like the, you know, ongoing meta plot <laughs> and kind of port- partition those things up because yeah. as at least up to the point that I've watched, they don't really overlap. Yeah, there, there, there are, there are. I will say that this is this follows the uh, formula introduced, um, and that that uh, that was introduced with Buffy and has been iterated upon through like Lost and stuff, where there is your there's your monster plot, your your number plot, there is your flashbacks, and there is a meta plot. Yeah, sometimes and sometimes they intersect. Sometimes all three of them are like this. Uh, they're all crossed together. Sometimes one or two. Yeah. Are like hooked together. Sometimes they're all thematically relevant. Should we mention that Zathras is here? Or are we just going to ignore him until he feels I mean, like talking? Yeah. Uh, so, so um, Aaron, um, I don't know if we should we give you a new name. Should we give no, you Zathras? Any, is, should we give, Zathras is Zathras? I was like, should we call you? And then, oh wait, spoilers. Yeah. Well, I, I was gonna say, I was, I was gonna say, you know, we could call him the machine, but Zathras, Zathras lives to to tend the machine. Besides, that is true. Besides, the machine uses she, her pronouns. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that is the most minor of spoilers, but that is that yeah. wild. Um, we'll get, <laughs> I cannot wait to get there once, once we, uh, yeah, once, yeah, there is a, there's gonna be some screaming. In this, in this, yeah, I want to say in this auditory medium here that both Justin and Jude have like the biggest shit eating grins right now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm like taking a mental victory lap here. I get to be on the other side of everything. It feels good, doesn't it's, it? It's like, <laughs> it's so freeing. <laughs> yeah. It's... Fuck y'all. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we definitely can't call me redacted. Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, for the most part, though, I think we're going to be, this is very much going to be, I think, even, especially totally the same. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, other than they're not being alien dicks, there will definitely be war crimes to talk about. There's not going to be war crimes because these are not, oh. de- there are no declared wars. <laughs> they're regular I'm crimes. I'm sure there are some wars well, in which the... there will be crimes committed. Yeah, yeah. There, I, mean, I mean, we, we there are definitely I've, flashbacks. We've already to seen war at least zones. one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, there is. There are yeah, flashbacks seen to, one. to the to the war on terror, which is well a general crime against humanity. But uh, okay, fine. There will be war crime lack of activities. Whatever you get my point. 
but there are no alien dicks, so we'll have to find something else to talk about. We could just listen, Jude. We could just call them crimes. Yeah, fine. We, or 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 violations of civil liberties. Mm. There you go. There we go. Yeah, but that whole show's a, the whole concept of the show is a is a violation of civil liberties. Wildly. <laughs> let's uh, let's get the unfun part done real fast. Okay, real quick. So it turns out. Jim Caviezel is a Jim, bit of a bigot. <laughs> not a bit of a bigot. Okay. Uh, we all knew that Caviezel was soups Catholic. And, a l- yeah. and really fucking weird. And really weird, which is the reason why, small spoiler, uh, why Reese never fucks anyone on screen <laughs> in the show. All of his action is off screen. I mean, like, the pilot is the most action we see you get, but that's yeah. all. Yeah. He never that's even- hilarious. He like no the production notes are clear that like he won't he wouldn't even get like into a bed with a female actress. Wow. Like, he 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 did the like scrubs like bits interlocking thing. Like <laughs> And then it turns wow. out he's also like anti-vax, anti-trans, like QAnon. QAnon, like he's anti everything. Um, so when we were talking about doing this show, we had some very serious doubts about like, do we really want to shine a light on this wackadoo? Uh, so what we're going to do is just never mention his name again. Like, it's the thing is we can say his name. I I think like, I don't think, I don't like personally for me, like giving a Voldemort situation to this as well, about as useful as the other, (laughs) I mean, as the originator of that name. But yeah, no, I think, but I think, well, I think my point is we're not going to like focus on the actor. Yeah. If it comes up, if there's some relevant, thi- real relevant thing, but there's, this isn't like B5 where there's like rich background with the actors. We we don't have Lurker's Guide. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have, yeah. we don't have, you know, the showrunner yelling at people on Usenet. We actually do have, so this was, this was part of a, uh, the, the person of interest wiki has like some interesting stuff that has been archived. This was back with like, you know, there were, there used to be Twitter accounts for the writer's rooms of shows. That was, there, oh, it's, like a, it's like a very specific, like five or six year window where this happened. Yeah. Uh, and so there's some interesting stuff that's been dug out through there. Um, and so there's going to be fun trivia that we, that we, that through social media we have saved. But in, I think our, our general policy is we're, we're just going to kind of not, but we're, we're, we're going to not highlight him. And, you know, at least up to the point that I've watched, which is about halfway through season one, the show does not seem to reflect those. Uh, Absolutely not. No. Absolutely yeah. not. Uh, I, it is not a spoiler to say that the one of the two primary ships that this show has is recent Finch. Oh yeah, I was like, gonna say like you know that my my personal revenge is going to be to like absolutely ship Reese and Finch like because I started shipping them in literally the second episode. I it is funny like the two top ships of this show are both gay. Oh yeah, the other the other is just you know who and you know who. Oh yeah, I, I mean, and that's my number one personally. We'll get there. Yeah. God, their first scene together. Ugh. I'm going to have some words about that scene. All right. Let me tell you. So, without further ado, um, let's get on to our first episode. Yeah. Woohoo. Anna, 
You have the otters. Yeah, so so I figured that I should probably take the pilot here as the newbie. Um, the pilot was written by Jonathan Nolan and directed by David Semmel. So uh, since this is the pilot, we get our first introduction to main characters, Harold Finch and John Reese, as well as side characters, detectives Carter and Fosco. Reese has been living on the streets in Manhattan and comes to the attention of Carter after he beats up a group of gangsters who are threatening him on a subway train. Finch bails him out and offers him a job as his partner, investigating and preventing premeditated crimes detected by an advanced AI originally built by Harold for the U.S. government to detect terrorist threats. John is initially not interested. However, he agrees to give it a chance after Finch abducts him from a drunken stupor in a motel room, and he wakes up to the sound of a woman screaming, which is ultimately an old wiretap recording of someone who Finch was not able to save. John is fully on board, finally, after dealing with his first person of interest. Uh, he liked being able to make a real difference. Reese and Finch agree to continue, although they both expect to wind up dead eventually as the result of their in investigations. In terms of the number of the week for this one, John's very first number is an assistant district attorney, Diane Hansen. He and Finch initially think she's a victim, with potential threats being her co-worker and ex, Wheeler, or something involving her current case. Digging deeper, John finds out that the man Hansen is prosecuting was set up by corrupt cops and figures that said cops are going to take her out to prevent her from exposing their operation. However, surprise! She turns out to have been working with them all along, and John is detected and captured by Detective Fusco and wakes up in the back of a police car on the way to Oyster Bay, where Fusco plans to kill him and hide the body. Fusco made the mistake of not searching John thoroughly, though, and he escapes from the car using a handy grenade. I assume it's a flashbang <laughs> of some sort. I, this is a pretty big Who explosion. among us doesn't just have a... A grenade or a flashbang smuggled on your hey, body somewhere. Is that a flashbang in your pocket, or are you happy to see me? I, I'm going to talk about this pat down when you're done. <laughs> um, but but John ultimately spares Fusco because he thinks he'll be useful in the in the future as an you know an asset inside the police department who he has under his thumb. John returns to the city to protect Wheeler. The cops are planning to kill him and frame an ex-con who Wheeler prosecuted. John catches up to them in time, and after a brief standoff, both the ex-con and Wheeler escape unharmed. John shoots the lead cop, Stills. Later in the courtroom, Hanson cues up a 911 call recording, but what plays instead is her own voice, ordering Stills to kill Wheeler. John catches up with Fusco in his car, reminds Fusco that he has no choice other than to work with John unless he wants his corruption exposed, and sends him back to Oyster Bay to dispose of Stills' body, uh, who Jen John just, just happened to shoot with Fusco's gun. In terms of flashbacks, we have a few short scenes that establish John's past romance with a woman named Jessica. He was ready to quit the armed forces for her, but then they watch the 9-11 news footage together from a hotel room in Mexico, and John goes back to the military, presumably. In their conversations, Finch implies that Jessica is now dead. All right. So I think the first thing we want to do is let's establish our main characters for the show first. We get... And we've got four to start off with. Yep. Uh, let's start with Reese, because I think he is the most simple 
Yeah. He is special forces of, I think as of now, unspecified status. You know, he was in the army, you know, he went back and, uh, you know, that he worked for one of the alphabets after that. Yeah. Because uh, Finch mentions his, he's got multiple names and so on and yeah, so forth. Yeah, he worked. He worked for the CIA, which uh, Finch calls the agency, but uh, is nobody calls it the agency. It's the company. Do they not? I thought they showed a ranger pin. Oh yeah, yeah. He, uh, okay, yeah. maybe he has applied to be a ranger in the, in the first episode. I I, I can never remember yeah. where what, what parts of his yeah. backstory get set up when. And and Carter also discovers a bunch of the kind of. CIA stuff uh, because she she gets his prints and you know, ties him to a bunch of unsolved crimes internationally. <laughs> yeah, apparently. a bunch of redacted files. Yeah, not it's sure that's because, how that works, but yeah. that's fine. Yeah, she gets an entire an entire file folder filled with files that just say redacted with a big red stamp, <laughs> and that's it. I love it's, like it's hilarious. Do, do those just print out that way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it has. It comes with instructions. Please stamp next page redacted. Okay, some secretary in the in the in the the you know the printing de- department. Dunk. I mean, it's nicer than sending full blacked out pages of PDFs because it saves you printer ink. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, if somebody sent me a, re- a page that was redacted like that, and like through my printer, I would like I would consider that a personal attack. <laughs> it's like that is a yeah. crime on my wallet. Toner doesn't grow on trees. Uh, I would also like to point out that what we basically learn about his character uh, in this episode is that Reese's psychology is basically, I'm worthless, except for my ability to hit things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to hitting things, he's basically a violent Fonz. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that makes sense. He goes up to every problem can be solved by hitting it in in Reese's view. It's like everything, everything. Need some guns? Shoot some guys. Uh, need a need a prisoner? Grenade launcher through the window. Uh, like everything he does involves hitting something or shooting something. And God bless him. You can respect why he would think that considering that his success rate at doing this has to be in like the high 80s, low 90s. He is a bull in a china shop, and he does that role very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our next character is, um, he's, not, he's not given this name in his first episode. I think it's given in the second episode, but uh, Harold Finch. Ah, uh, which, Finch. God, I love Harold. He's so, he's so good. I mean, part of that is just Michael Emerson, because Michael Emerson can do no wrong. <laughs> He's yeah. fantastic in this too. I was going to say the first thing I want to call out is how good Emerson is in this role. Yeah. Uh, his yeah. physical acting, Finch is yeah. Uh, wounded. Yeah, at we'll, some we'll point. We'll talk about that which, in our next episode, um, like yeah. the specifics of it. But yeah, it is a very specific injury. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't. Uh, he's got an injury to his neck, and it looks like something with his leg or something because he. He has I, a limp and he does something with his like shoulders where he doesn't really like move his turn yeah. his head. He he's had um he's had vertebrae in his neck fused. Speaking as somebody who's had vertebrae fused, it is very familiar. Uh I wonder if the leg is not a separate injury, but is in fact nerve damage. It's a very convincing performance. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, it, it is consistent. Face, yeah. His, his face is just, there is such characterization there. Mm-hmm. It's great. Unlike I, Reese, who looks like, you know, <laughs> stone most of the time. I, I was going to say a slab of molded beef, but sure. So this will be, this in relation to a joke that will recur throughout the series, do you know what I am always reminded of with Harold in like what I, what I think of as? He always reminds me of those owls that look very surprised all the time. <laughs> um, and it's just like especially when he's got the round glasses I, like, yeah, but, uh, mm. the, I mean, the round glasses go after the pilot but um it's well they're they're there in the flashbacks yeah yeah he, he, they're there in the flashbacks and the pilot but after that they, uh, but everything present day he's got the the rectangular frames maybe maybe they decided that he looked too much like an owl <laughs> i mean it is a funny thing because um it's a, it's a little joke that goes through it but um i think it starts in like episode six but like most of his aliases are bird names all yeah. of his aliases no are they, no there are not there are two in the first four episodes that are not oh really yes, i i've but one of them has the word bird in it yeah yeah okay um <laughs> okay but uh yeah the um, he created the machine. We will find out as we go along for what purpose, why, and um, why he decided to do all this. Yeah, we could be a little faster with it, yeah. uh, a little more succinct with the next two. Carter is a cop, um, but she is okay. First of all, we we need to talk like Carter is played by uh, Taraji Henson, hmm. but this is like pre everything Taraji Henson. But she is so good. <laughs> I, and what's great is she vanishes into this role. And and speaking of like very good, very fast characterization right from the get go, they do a great job of showing that she is both very sharp and very compassionate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also quite possibly the only clean cop in the entire. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. There are a lot of dirty cops in, 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 in person of interest. Uh, there's a lot of dirty cops in the I world. Mean, yes. So it's accurate. Um, yeah, this show is really good about you get who Carter is halfway through the first episode. That's it. That's all it takes. You to get, get who her. she is at after her first scene where, yeah. you know, she she ha- where she has homeless John in the room with her there. Yeah. And is like, hey, buddy, you seem like you need help. And like, I know where you're coming from and seems and is like making a genuine effort to reach out to him, but also snags his prints off of a water cup. And it's such a move, too, where she puts her her fingers inside of it, and then her, her tone changes. There's that slight t- tone change to her voice when she's talking about, like, some some just come back dark or something like that. It's just, uh, yeah, so I, good. We'll, we'll f- it's just like, in one scene, you've got yeah, her. She is, yeah. like, she is smart as a whip, and... Like she, yeah. Uh, I like she's very compassionate too. That's that's. I think yeah. it's important. Then we've got uh, Fusco. So I have a declaration <laughs> to make about Fusco. Yes, I saw it in the outline, and I love it. He is the anti Garibaldi. Oh my god, he is! <laughs> like it's so good. He is. I mean, okay, like he is good at his job. Like I, I okay, I will say that Fosco's like competence at his job does vary be, be, between episode to episode. But he is like <laughs> there. There are moments where he has like true brilliance as a detective, which is cool. Yeah, um, because it would be very easy to pitch a hole him into certain roles. Um, he's a corrupt as fuck cop, but he's actually like a decent dude. 
Yeah, you don't yeah. see that initially, but it becomes very apparent over very early on in the season that he's corrupt, but not the way every other cop we meet is. In the sense that, like, he's uh, he fell into it, and well, you see that later on too. You see how that happened, and that's that's like textually why. John doesn't straight up kill him, mm. right? Is that like A, he sees that Fusco could be useful, and B, he sees that Fusco is like not a bad human deep down. Mm-hmm. I love Fusco. Yeah, he he is like he's a character who like I instinctively want to like see like I'm not interested in this character, but at the same time I'm like you're just a little weird guy, and I love you. Like, especially because like, later you find out that he's a dad and stuff, a single dad. And yeah, you know, there are so many good Fusco episodes. Yeah. He, he's he's <laughs> a very good like he's a very good straight man to John's mur- like murder monkey. Uh, <laughs> like, like, it's the whole thing of like, like, I, I, yes. I don't remember when this when this comes up, but. Fusco develops a nickname for John, which is Mr. Mayhem in, in like <laughs> yeah. later seasons. And it's like really he just is the straight man to Reese. And like that dynamic is weird, but I love it. Um yeah. because it's just like John says some ridiculous shit. Fusco, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Also, I just had a thought that uh Throughout the throughout the course of this episode, uh, John transforms from regular hobo into murder hobo. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, can we talk about uh, speaking of? Yeah, can we talk about fucking hobo John's beard? <laughs> oh my god, it's so <laughs> it's bad. so bad. Just like- which looks. Speaking of someone who until very recently had a beard, and no, I don't want to talk about where it went. That was a traumatic experience. It looks like somebody went into the prop department and found a fake fur coat and trimmed <laughs> off a bunch of the fur, the fake fur and then glued it onto his face with like wood glue. Oh my god, it's so bad. It's so bad. It looks mixed with mixed with some toothbrush in there too. Yeah, it is Look, as a fan of another spy show which specializes in hilarious varyingly good hair pieces AKA the Americans. Uh, one of my, I had, I followed that show while it was on the air and the reviewers of that show, literally every single regular reviewer of that show kept track of the bad hair pieces in that show. <laughs> and this was, I fucking love that show. Uh, that this is the worst thing. This listeners for context, this puts the arrow wig to shame. The arrow wig looks good by comparison to this monstrosity. That's how bad we're talking here. I I cannot express how embarrassing this I love beard absolutely, is. I, I absolutely love how, like, the strong opinion I was not prepared for episode one was Jude's opinion on wigs and hair. Um, okay, can we also talk about the... F- were you expecting me to have strong opinions about alien dicks? I, mean, I like to come out of left yes. field. So something I, I, I do want to talk about that I just absolutely love is one, how John acquires his arsenal. Um, which is yeah. I'm going to go find the same 
nondescript ethnically vaguely ethnic, slavic they're, like like they're not even like i thought they were irish mobsters at one point like like yeah they kind of <laughs> vacillate between irish and Russian. yeah they're, they're very like those are two very different mobs but i somehow <laughs> couldn't decide um i got the sense that they were like we want them to be gangbangers but we don't want them to be like we don't want to be like racially offensive, so we'll just make them generically threatening white kids. Yeah, um, <laughs> love love that. Like, I mean, they do like the gangster stereotype of like holding the gun sideways too, and John is like, "Oh, yeah. that's the safety training," and he does the cool. He does. He gets to have his first cool like gun thing where disarm. Yeah, where, yeah. yeah. Um, In terms of gun things that I've been tracking as I've been. As I've been watching, I've been tracking every time somebody makes the mistake of coming in with a handgun into melee range yeah, it's, with Reese. And it's like, you, you can just see it and you're just like, oh, buddy, you fucked see, up. It's the funny yeah. thing because, like, the smart thing to do to this is if you watch John Wick, when John is going into, like, when that John is going into, like, close quarters, he holds his gun really close to his body. And then, like, mm-hmm. punches it out to shoot people, then pulls it back in. Which, I mean, that's also the fact that, like, John Wick is, like, a god-tier assassin. But also, it's just like, yeah, no, don't get within, don't get within like, grabbing range of, some, of somebody when you have a gun. The gun is so you don't yeah. have to be in grabbing range. Yeah. Certainly, certainly also not, like, as you said, not with your arm... <laughs> outstretched as a giant lever yeah, or somebody can yeah. slap that shit around well especially not when you're confronting someone that beat the all holy christ out of you while drunk as a skunk on a you know in hobo mode the guy already whipped the shit out of you why give him the opportunity to do it again just shoot him but no <laughs> they stand around with their jaws around their ankles while he puts on his first kneecapping dis- display and literally shoots everybody in the leg somewhere and then takes their entire arsenal uh so that he can also do his first uh grenade launching in this episode god and that's the first probably the most iconic one i would say in the first season yeah the first season maybe there's one there's one there's one that's done to a david bowie song i think yeah yeah that that one's better um (laughs) (laughs) you just fanned himself um so okay Let's go. Let's go through some real quick things here. Um, first of all, we have to talk, like especially with regards to the to the grenade launcher scene. It's the first time we get like the that like specific guitar riff. It's like mm-hmm. yeah. da, da. and yeah, um, the soundtrack. Yeah, slaps. I, hold on. I I, the- I I want to come back in like three seasons to talk about all of the crazy things Ramin Jawadi did because there's some. There's some like god tier uh scoring that he does yeah. that is like beyond the light yeah. motif. So yeah, uh real quick, just for people who might not recognize that name, uh Ramichwadi is I would say like we'll we'll say like the God, what's this? The, he's like the Hod Zimmer of television. He's certainly top three. Yeah, like he he is one of the like he like on TV between it is him and Bear McCrary. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, like, yeah. I, I made it top three because I'm assuming there's, like, one other guy out there I don't know. But him <laughs> and Bear McCreary are the two that, like, everybody knows. Yeah. 
listeners, he is like beyond person of interest. He did, uh, I hated the original Iron Man, but he's mostly known for Game of Thrones and Westworld now. Yeah. And gosh, like the, there, there is, there is just the, the repeat, repeated song. It comes on once an episode that is just the, the little do, 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 do. It's like it's the perfect mm-hmm. surveillance music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so many audio cues the in this, not just the sound design in this whole in this show, not just the music, but the the music. The 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 music is perfect. The the the, the musical cues are perfect. The, the the soundtrack selection, the scene where John confronts the corrupt cops in the um apartment lobby is up until i watched this show angel was intimately associated with a west wing episode i don't even think of that episode when i hear that song now there's, it blew that episode out of my mind so many good needle drops in the show i it's it's ridiculous yeah. Yeah. and but this this it is such an intense scene and that song is perfect for that scene um but also the audio design the the blips and the blurps when like the timeline is shifting in the flashbacks and the way that they use the audio to like clue you into what the machine is doing choice uh the the sound engineers on this show should have been paid more i don't know what they were paid but they should have been paid more and i i've got um i'll have some sound design stuff to specifically highlight later on in our recordings as well because yeah it's it's really outstanding and there are some like specific moments that are excellent the other thing i want to call out is this show loves tropes <laughs> so there are two <laughs> like repeat li- besides like kneecapping and grenade launchers there are two lines that get set up in the pilot that i'm sure show up in nearly every episode or very commonly throughout and the first is uh finch saying I'm a really private person, <laughs> which he says all the time to the point that like Reese dunks on him for it, like in the first season. Uh, and then the other one is uh, the man in the suit. Yeah. They set that oh, up. There's in the a third one as well. What's the, what I meant? Concerned third party. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's, that's, that's what doesn't get repeated as, as much, but it, it is a good one. Uh, yeah. Because when they do it, it's yep. it's usually a big thing. Speaking speaking of tropes and like things that are set up in the pilot, I want to talk about how bold a choice it was to start a procedural or something that is very clearly being marketed as a procedural at this point with a dirty cop storyline. Yes, it's, it's going to go places, and yeah, it, it's and, and specifically making the the DA who's the first number the perpetrator, not the victim. It's a it's yeah right. I, I wanted to bring that up too it's you know they the in a in a less creative show they would have saved that inversion for like the third or fourth episode but they like set it up as oh this might be the person you need to save and immediately flipped yeah. it around yeah that's one of the show's specialties absolutely and i think it's something that it, the show does extremely well this is a show oh it was uh a it was a book i was talking about um that I recommended to Anna, the Goblin Emperor, where I said, every time you come up to a trope where you're expecting it to do something, it kind of does something else. And this is the same way. This is one where it loves to 
take a trope that you expect from procedurals or from spy shows or something and play with them just a little bit, just tweak them so that you're never quite sure if they're going to play it straight or if they're going to play it at an angle or throw a curveball at you. And I love that because sometimes you do get the straight play, but then sometimes you get a curveball like the DA being crooked. And I like yeah. that. I think the the last thing that I wanted to say yeah. on the first episode here is that it's just a little thing, but I really appreciated how at the end of the episode, we get the room full of servers. Yeah, I love because that shot. there's this like trope type thing of like, oh, well, the, the computer is like in the cloud. And I think people don't tend to realize that like, no, you you need a bank of servers that takes up yeah a the cloud warehouse. is just a fuck ton of servers yeah yeah um yep. and showing the like stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks i really it was a it's a little thing that i really yeah. enjoyed yeah whole, whole whole fuck ton of servers yeah. okay i do have it i know that face <laughs> um it is a face okay. i've seen live the uh the the wheeler the the uh district attorney who is the uh, the eventual victim of is played by Brian Darcy James, who is a Broadway actor, uh, who I think most popularly is known as King George the Third in Hamilton, or at least he's the recording. <laughs> oh, wild. He's the original actor, or, or the original actor, which is yeah, that's a fun one. Huh. How about that? All right. Oh, hey, it's my first uh, summary now. All right. Um, holy shit. Um, guys, there, there's a problem. Somebody must have gotten the written by wrong. There's another name here. <laughs> My God. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're doing season <laughs> season one, episode two, Ghosts, written by Great. Uh, such a dumb fucking joke. Listeners, <laughs> <laughs> funny. We suffered through sixty episodes or whatever of Bad Pod. <laughs> <laughs> we get to say days. We're gonna credit their people here. Uh, so this is written by Great uh, Greg Plegeman. And Jonathan Dolan, directed by Richard J. Lewis. Our number this episode is Teresa Whitaker. Unfortunately for John and Harold, there's a problem. Teresa is dead, a victim of a murder-suicide from her father on their family's boat. Reese, however, smells something fishy and identifies that it was in fact staged. Enlisting the help of Fusco, he is able to find the hitman who actually did the deed, who's currently in prison for another crime and didn't kill uh, Teresa because he didn't kill kids. John is able to find Teresa living off on the streets, living off of credit card fraud, and Finch and Reese are able to determine that she is being targeted because Teresa is the heir to her father's real estate investments, and a crooked real estate company wants the land for themselves. Reese is able to stop the hitman and delivers Teresa to the police, who they reunite with her aunt. Carter, meanwhile, is spending this episode tracking her man in the suit, who has been rescuing people via kneecapping them, including a funny scene at the start uh, involving a cheating dude and some flowers. Uh, John tries to get to know more about Harold's life, including his apparent cover identity at a software firm and a company that he discovers Harold owns. However, John's inquiries spook him, and the next time he visits, he learns that Harold has vanished from the company. In a series of flashbacks to 2002, we see the first <laughs> prototypes of the machine, which Harold was working on with a partner named Nathan Ingram. In 2007, Nathan confronts Harold about the, his instructions for the machine to ignore irrelevant crimes. Vince justifies the action with the belief that this is a necessary thing to save everyone, not just someone. That's the episode. <laughs> 
let's get yep. into talking about it. Yeah. This is what a, a great counter example, a, a great example of how sometimes these number of the weeks are so succinct. Like the summary, that is an extremely accurate yeah, I mean, like, summary. We for can what go happens. into like some details yeah. of like how they do the investigation and stuff, but that's really what happens. I the fun of it is there's no real twist other than that she's actually yeah, alive. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's all it's an interesting way to show that the machine is always right. It, yeah. And and that and that the machine can see people the machine can see things that ordinary people can't in a way that I don't think we quite realized before. Yeah. yeah. It's oracular is what it is. Yeah. 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 It's wild that they should I, I think it's great that even though he talks about in the first episode how he didn't initially respect the irrelevant numbers, it's a different thing to see him talking to Nathan about it in this flashback where he's just like, eh, they're irrelevant, whatever. And he, he's not like that casual, but like it's in, it's really, really interesting to see this early version of Harold, like, you know, fucking on his treadmill, like, woo, fuck yeah. those irrelevants. Like the, there's like a, they set up really nicely in this episode, 2007 Harold, and now you've, now you're looking at 2000 whatever Harold and you're you, they're making you wonder how they got from A to B. Yeah. Uh and I think that's a nice little bit of work in this episode. And I think one of the things that this you know hints at is that his partner doesn't view those numbers as irrelevant. Yeah. No, yeah, Nathan clearly is uh upset and unsettled by them. Also, is it bad that I ship them? No. Um no, like they, they, they're, there's a very, I, I, I joke that like, I, this is the, like, it, it's, they're, they're very like, because they have like the, the workspace in the library, there's a lot of. Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't even saying Nathan and Reese, although I also shipped that. Oh, Nathan, um, Nathan and Harold. Not, not, uh, Harold and Reese. Yeah. Nathan and Harold. Yeah. They're. They, they also have this kind of easy intimacy yeah. to them. I think it's because. Harold has a very like sealed off demeanor in and that they establish very efficiently in the first two episodes. So anybody that you, that develops any kind of intimacy with him, uh-huh. you immediately are like, oh, like uh-huh. sparks. I mean, they even specifically do that on screen with the, you know, the the random office lady coming in and being like, oh, I thought you were somebody that he was, you know. With, yeah. with. But then you oh. see him with Nathan, and there's so there's such this easy camaraderie between the two of them that, like, yes, it's it can be coworkers, best friends, whatever, but it does feel more potent because he is so sealed up in in the current day that you it feels more powerful that he's so easy with Nathan. Yeah, like if you were to tell me that you. Know, at that point, Nathan and Harold were fucking. I would absolutely believe you. Yeah, I'm not going to take that away from yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's we'll we'll get more of them as we go on. But I do just like I find it interesting. Just like like their their relationship is very interesting, and like through flashbacks, we get to see you know what kind of person Harold was before we see him now, um, and yep. that is fascinating to me. Especially because it's like 
the 2001 2002 is a very interesting time for like computer software developers because this is mm. right after the dot com boot uh, the dot com bust sorry yeah yeah um though they do have like their their i would say that their business is much is not a dot com or it does not have the feel of a dot com business such as a it's very much like a it feels very much like an IBM yeah, yeah yeah that was the vibe i got yeah. off of it we learned later that well and we know we learned because of this episode that it was an, it, it's an insurance company right um, I, it's called was it though yeah no i thought it was a software company i don't i, th- I thought it, they said it was an insurance company that but might I could be, be where mistaken. he's like um, there, i uh let's see it's not clear to me whether that's the front or not yeah like, it, it's yeah, ift which is the the first it, the, it's given the name here um it is described as a world leader in computer technology and it's obviously like okay. it's based on yeah. ibm obviously um yeah. and we and we do yeah. see at the end of the episode nathan nathan uh, uh, bronzed yeah a bronze yeah. uh bust of nathan uh in memory of telling you letting you know that that nathan is dead yeah mm-hmm. The, the flashbacks also establish that even then, Harold was a secretive motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. Um, he has always been given the option of the silent partner. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of uh, Emerson's characterization, physical characterization, you know, the the, the mirroring between uh, him easily running on a treadmill and then, you know, struggling to do push-ups, mm-hmm. I think, tells you a lot of what happened in the interstitial time, too. Yeah. Uh, the other mirror that I thought was really interesting was in the jail when the the he's when Reese is talking to the hired killer, uh, and the, the killer points out that he is also a killer, and Reese is just sort of like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, Reese is completely nonplussed. He's like, where are you going with this? <laughs> are we making small talk? What are we? You want to? I mean, you want to talk about silencers or something? I don't get it. <laughs> we get we get a first appearance of another cop in this episode. Uh, I believe it's Detective Attorney, uh, who will yeah. be a who yeah. will be a recurring character. Um, and I will I I do not think it's a spoiler if I describe him as that motherfucker. Attorney <laughs> <laughs> um, has like he has an incredibly punchable that face. cop face. Yeah, he has cop face in a big old way. This is this is a really big episode for Harold, yeah. honestly. That you know we've we get the flashbacks for him rather than for mm-hmm. you know Reese, you know, with his you know previous romantic partner. So I'm just gonna say this: Harold's flashbacks are so much better than John's flashbacks. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes. Well, okay, hold on. I, Except for I, the spy I, ones. I'm gonna generally agree with you, but. Can, He's got, Kara is a fucking <laughs> oh, great is. character. Yeah, no. I I don't know what it is with Jonathan Dolan, but Jonathan Dolan and apparently his associated writers just love a mean bitch who kills people. <laughs> uh, she's so good. And I love that she we'll get there. I think we get some flashbacks of her in uh, the next couple episodes. But I I love that character. Unabashedly love that character. <laughs> yeah, th- this episode does a lot to establish Harold and like give him some time in the sun. That yeah. you know we get, um, oh, we've got the 
amazing like office space scene with him like <laughs> with his cover identity as a mediocre he's programmer. like meow meow yeah. who wants to do programmer larp yeah <laughs> yeah and and it's like it's just such strong like yeah so i'm gonna need those tps reports my um, favorite part is when john is asking him like if i come back here again like what would happen and reese is like oh this department would be liquidated some people would be reassigned and then he looks at the boss with this face and his face just gets this like <laughs> you know all of a sudden you can see this is a man who is who is functionally like a financial and technological god looks at this petty middle manager and is just like some people wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> just, just like it's great. It's like his version of the Reese face. <laughs> it's just like, I'll destroy you. That's <laughs> so good. We we also get to see Harold like handle himself in a crisis with dealing with the yeah. the kid. Um that you know, he he gets to play the hero yeah. um a bit and be like, go down the fire escape, save yourself. I'll be murdered, but it's fine. Yeah, the first episode establishes this idea that, like, both Reese and Finch expect to die doing this. Yeah. And that's, like, in the first episode, you're like, oh, that's a funny line. But, like, this show will establish in the second episode and frequently throughout this show, not a spoiler, like, no, they mean it. Like, they expect to die doing this and, like, they're going to, they will put themselves into that those situations over and over again. Because that's their expectation, that this is worth sacrificing themselves for. The last Harold bit that I want to call out is that this episode starts the Harold thing of him using the fact that he looks like a harmless nerd to get information. Yeah, which he which he does yeah, all the time. Yeah. That he's like, oh, I'm just a, a nerdy insurance person person like tell me all of the intimate details of your life and it works he's very like non-threatening in the way that like uh, like you know like an it guy or an insurance agent is non-threatening and yeah a part of it is like his i think it's his accent and the way he speaks well i have a very specific thing in our next episode that i'll talk about when we do our next episode. He has a very clipped diction. Yeah. Yeah. Very cl- yeah, he's got a very clipped way of speaking that is like, it's very formal and doesn't invite questions. Yeah. What's our kneecap count for this episode? Um, I think he kneecaps the the, the 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 assassins in the elevator at the start of the episode. And technically, he sh- and the final assassin, when he when he shoots the assassin at the end of the episode, he shoots it's him- kneecap first. It's kneecap, side, shoulder. He shoots him like four times, but he does get the kneecap in there somewhere. So I think it's... It's Because the first time he shot him in the episode, he put two in the chest or rather two in the vest. Yeah. And he learned this lesson. Always shoot him in the knee. (laughs) Uh, So uh, my count is nine for these two episodes. I will trust you on that. I cannot count these. I counted six in the first episode and that's three for the second. So that's nine between these two well you're you're the official keeper of the score so oh, is that uh, have i been nominated as the <laughs> yeah. as the kneecap keep keep keeper of the uh kneecaps I'll, i do I'll have two it. faces for this one okay nathan is played by brett cullen who is i would say just like a very big like 
TV actor. Like he's done, he did the blacklist, uh, some stuff for true detective, uh, Narcos. You, you, he's one of those actors you immediately but recognize, you can't tell where. but you can't tell where from. He was in the West Wing. Yeah. He played a Republican <laughs> congressman. Yeah. He played a Republican congressman guy. with a shitty accent. Or, 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 uh, sorry, governor, a governor. Yeah. He played, um, I could not guess his age. He also apparently played <laughs> a congressman in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, he he he's a he's a Nolan Boys collaborator. The other one that I have is that Teresa's aunt's ex-husband. Okay. Uh Jimmy is played by Remy Aubergine, who is the who is the son of Rene Aubergine, uh, who played Constable Odo. Wild. And also was on Boston Legal. Wow. That's Um, a bananas connection. Yeah, no, that was just like, oh, Remy has not done anything like quite as popular in my but he he's done like he does like TV bit rolls, and I'm just like, oh that's crazy. (laughs) He's got the same face as his dad, which is how I which is how I picked it up. And I was Hmm. like, wait a minute. And then I saw the name. So Next time, we are going to be covering episodes three and four of season one, Mission Creep and Cura Te Ipsum. Until next time, you are being watched. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share alike no derivatives license.